0: This is a platform where we are going to be reframing, redefining what it means um, to have our melanin, to be rocking our stories, our lives, our melanin. And we're doing it in ways that are promoting health, promoting um, just positive vibes throughout. And so today I'm kicking off the entire show with a mental health series uh, focused on Black men. And so we have a couple of really cool guests today. I have Desmond Smith. Um, and I have Shanta Hayes and we are going to be, uh, just having a conversation. We're going to keep some things real. There'll be some, some weighty moments. Uh, we'll be a little silly probably because we've known each other for some years. Um, I'll introduce them formally in a second, but just one thing. Um, we have known each other, I guess what, uh, gosh, 20 20 plus years.
1: Something like that. Yeah.
0: crazy. So (laughs) I think about that in the context of just. I mean, first of all, we still look good because the melanin don't what? It don't crack. It don't move. It don't move. It don't move. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 43. Des, how old are you?
1: 41.
0: 41. Shanta. 42. 42. We are in these streets, y'all. Thank you, Jesus. Nice. Right? Nice. This is all right. Um, We've known each other for quite some time, and obviously, you know, life happens. We met in college. Um, We actually spent some wonderful, wonderful times together in college um, through our organizations that we're part of. um, And we've kept up and maintained over the years, which is just really great. I think a lot of um, people have that story at their colleges and universities, but I do think because of the type of organizations we were connected to, um, that we have just continued to have a community that's strong um we're also part of a pretty dope athletic fitness community now that is just uh, uh popped off recently um Dej, you want to speak to that real quick because I think it's pretty It would be a nice plug. uh, uh I-,
1: I can't remember the, the official name of it but <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's fine. It's fine. like you
1: wish black alumni r- runners and we just been uh started by uh Sydney Bailey. I went to actually I went to high school with Sydney back in Grand Rapids. So okay. and uh yeah, and uh Ronnie Johnson, right? Yep. Um I didn't know Ronnie, but I knew Sid from teenage years. His wow. dad actually was my principal in high school.
0: That's crazy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so um but uh we've been uh encouraging each other to be healthy and um start with walking just walking or running fifty miles in the month. Yes. And um you know, over the summer, you know, everybody was gaining that COVID-19 weight. Uh, yeah. I know I gained a few pounds and uh, I was like, you know what, why not? So, um, you know, uh, it's been, it started with, I don't know, four or 500 people, uh, you know, walking and, and and encouraging each other. And that started, I don't know, maybe June or mm-hmm. July, somewhere around there. And every month, every everyone's been just re-upping uh, you know, doing another 50 and some are doing a hundred and some are doing 200. I'm like, yeah, I'm good with 50, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you the baseline, right? I'm good with 50. That's like good. if I can get to 50, I'm good. I'll be there tomorrow. That's but, it. um, but that's what, you know, it's been a lot of encouraging words and, uh, they, they've, they've definitely, uh, helped me, uh, in, in my health journey. So I
0: love that. Thank yeah. you. So you want to contribute? You're also part of the group. Yes. Yes. I am part of the group. And
2: while the goal, the overall overarching goal is 50, you know, each person drives themselves. There's definitely support from the group, Mm -hmm. from the village, but I know myself, I'm not at 50 yet. I have some underlying medical conditions, which kind of limit my movement sometimes. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just being better than I was the month before. That's good. You know, (laughs) so I'm like, whoop, whoop. I got xyz it wasn't 50 but i'm getting closer Mm -hmm. so and i still get love still get support you know so it's very much the camaraderie Mm -hmm. and the teamwork and saying you know you got this keep going right love it
0: that's, that's great. Um, for my own self, I hit 50, I think, for two solid months back to back in the summer. So I think it was August. Well, gosh, going into the fall, August and then September, I think I hit 15. And then I had to take a little minutes, had some health challenges and things. So I'm looking forward. I'm back 100 um, percent and I'm back. To, to, to rock them out, you know, come January, the new challenge. So it's exciting. Um, definitely a, a wonderful platform, I think, uh, in terms of just really us focusing on our physical health. And it's so encouraging, as, as you said. It's one of the most positive um, groups that I've actually yeah. joined. I have not wanted to do some of the fitness groups, not because they're not positive, but it's just, I'm like, uh, you know, <laughs> this group is something different. You know, it speaks differently and hits differently when you actually know so many people, you know, mm-hmm. and personally that are part of it and that um, are so encouraged. And then you start to learn a little bit more about their own personal journeys, right, with health and, and these kinds of things and just seeing how inspiring it is. Um, it's, it's been great. So, mm-hmm. so we said all of that to say <laughs> that it's one more sort of iteration of us in another life step. Mm-hmm will maintain friendships, maintain these relationships over the years, and that's so important. So thank you guys for sharing that. Um, So we're going to dive right in. Uh, Again, we are talking about mental health awareness, and I really wanted to hit it in the Black community. So the series is going to feature Black men, these these first few episodes, and we're going to hit women. Uh, We're going to talk about mental health in children. These things will come up. The entire narrative shifts is not all about mental health, but this is, I felt, led to really just start the entire thing with this series. So, Desmond, wanted to talk to you a little bit. Um, You're obviously a Black man in these American streets.
1: (laughs) Yes, I am. Can't hide that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, there's such a stigma, I believe, um, in the Black community Uh, as it pertains to just positive mental health or good mental health. You know, when you hear terms like therapist, counselor, um, I need to go get help. These are not necessarily phrases that we speak a whole lot, right? Like we we tend to hide these things or, you know, we tend to just kind of, I got this, you know, or because of sort of cultural backdrops, we've just learned to keep pushing through hard things. And, I wanted to kind of get your feedback as a black male in this society about, um, you know, what, what kinds of things have you and you encountered in terms of your own mental health, what challenges, maybe what successes and what has been important to you through your own journey. And so if you want to share anything, I would love to hear from you in terms of kind of your own experiences here.
1: Wow. Well, first, thank you very much for, for thinking of me and, uh, I know that you've you've raised some some questions and some conversation online, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that kind of started this because um, I don't often share my uh, my own journey mm-hmm. uh, of, of of mental health. So um, I've not had to. I've had you know major and minor things that happened in my life, and I know that um, you know being an educator, you see a lot of um, you see a lot of things, you see a lot of students that have gone through trauma or are going through trauma. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, you want to say, Hey, you, you need to go to counseling or you need to go see a therapist. And, um, it's not, it's never really just that easy. And, um, you know, sometimes we talk to parents and, you know, we encourage parents that, uh, either the child, um, you know, is we've had some conversation with the child and, you know, we encourage you to, you know, consider, Cause we can't tell them, yeah. you know, we encourage you to consider some type of therapy or consider some type of counseling, um, unless it's like where they, you know, put themselves or someone else at harm when it's pretty serious. But, um, but for me, uh, I, I never considered, uh, any type of therapy or any type of counseling, um, as a black man, uh, until I was, you know, well into my thirties, but leading up to that, you know, life to me, my life was going fine. You know, um, you know, I finished college, graduated high school, eventually finished college. I took the 10 year plan. Um, you know, (laughs) but I got it done. Right. And I went through things and I went through some trials and I went through many errors, uh, just to finish college. I got married, you know, Uh, then we had our first child. Um, and, uh, then I went back to college and finished, um, And then, uh, you know, my family, we moved to, well, my wife and I, we moved to to Detroit. We had our first child in Detroit. Um, But before we had our first child, like the uh, two months after we moved to Detroit, um, we had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, it was early in the pregnancy. You know, we hadn't really told a lot of people yet, Um, but it was trauma. We were like, man, this this ain't right. This hurts. Like, I've never felt any pain like that before. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, months go by weeks go by and you're just like all right we had a miscarriage and you just keep going um which is something that a lot of just a lot of people just do not even black men but a lot of people they go through uh a traumatic event and they just you know pick it up and they just kind of carry that weight but they just keep going with it um so that was one of you know several experiences so then you know, I continue on in my career, you know, things start to improve. You know, we, uh, we have our first successful child and then we had a second successful uh, pregnancy and then we go through, uh, a third, uh, pregnancy and, you know, we weren't trying, well, we were trying to have a child, right. But we weren't trying to have a child, right. So, um, you know, so we go through that and we're like, well, I guess, you know, we can, we can, we can have this baby. It'll be great. It'd be nice to have a third, you know, we lost the first one. Uh, You know, let's, let's, let's enjoy and appreciate this miracle baby because we weren't, we weren't, it was just like, okay, God, all right, you got it. Whatever. We're going to have this baby. So we went through some months of, of like just awe and not really planning, you know, so we went through several months of just, uh, going through the steps of, of, of pregnancy with my wife. And eventually after, you know, probably about 30 weeks, we were like, I guess we should get ready <laughs> for this baby. Right. So, you know, we get to, you know, a certain length and, you know, the, the, the appointments start picking up. And then, uh, then all of a sudden at the new year, you know, we went and visited some friends. Um, my wife was like, so oh, something's not right. And uh, I'm like, well, well, let's go, let's go see a doctor. And we went and go see the doctor. and um, You know, you, you go to that appointment and you think that they're going to say, you know, oh, this is happening. Everything will be okay. Or maybe you just need to rest or, um, you know, everything is going fine. Um, but we sat in that office and, you know, they checked the pulse, uh, you know, the heartbeat of the baby. And they're like, there's there's no heartbeat. Uh, so, at, my wife carries this baby for 33 weeks, right? And we were just at the point where we we're accepting the fact that we're having this child. Like up till then, we were just like, nah. you know, we finally just got paint for the bedroom. We got started getting clothes. We started getting furniture. We're like, okay, we really need to start getting ready for this child. And we're sitting there in the doctor's office, like, God, why why would you? allow us to go through the finally accepting the fact that we have this child. And then you take this baby away from us. Mm. Like, why, why would you do that? Like, come on. Like, so, you know, we're sitting there and we're like just in complete shock, just crying. All you can do is sit there and console each other and cry and just so we so we're sitting there crying you leave the office and you're just like you're just hoping that nobody sees you you just want to kind of disappear mm-hmm. so we leave we go home we tell family right because at this point you, you have to tell family because in a few weeks they're expecting this baby that you've been carrying for months so so we go through this initial trauma we um, and my wife has to then, you know, several days later birth this baby, Mm. right? So one, we find out that we're not having this child. Two, this baby doesn't just disappear. This baby comes into the world without life. And so she births the baby. You know, I'm holding the baby for like hours, like praying and like I don't know, just hoping that eventually something happens. But nothing, nothing happens. You're just there and you're just kind of numb to the fact that you've gone through an entire experience and there's literally a a, a, a dead baby to show for it. Like that's the end result. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just bounce back from something like that. So you know we were in the hospital in the in the labor delivery ward and everybody else in the hospital is having babies you're the crying you're hearing everything but in our room it's quiet it's quiet it's still we had a couple visitors you know a couple people from our church came um and you know they can console you a little bit but you don't you don't want you don't want anything but your your baby um and there's nothing that can fill that void other than having your, your own child in your arms alive. So I can leave the hospital a couple of days later. Um, and you know, we're just like sitting there like, wh- where do we go from here? What do we do? Um, because we can't just continue on with our lives. Um, so, you know, we hear from, um, People from church, you know, they pray for us. Our pastors call, they pray for us. Friends call, they pray for us. People come and visit and pray for us. And we're just angry. You know, eventually you go from this shock and this grief, and then we're angry. Um, So, you know, after a few days of being off from work, mind you, this happens in 2014, 2014. And January, 2014 is when we had like some of the coldest days. Uh, most people don't remember this, but like, these were like the first days where school was canceled because it was too cold. Okay. Like it was, it was frozen outside. Mm-hmm. So we, I had a couple extra days to grieve before I had to go back to work. So eventually I go back to work and I'm trying to just carry myself as I normally do. Right. And I'm realizing that I'm like he's super emotional, like all the time like any little thing can just like that, just set me right off. So I'm talking to some students and mind you, I'm, I'm working in Ypsilanti for my, for the one year I worked in Ypsilanti. I'm out in Ypsilanti and I'm working with a group of students. They were labeled at risk. I hate the label, but they were labeled at risk. Right. So I'm working in the small learning community of about 50 students. There's 50 students. There's two teachers. There's a social worker there's a special ed teacher there's a dean because we have so many like literally behavior all over the place like so i have i'm over this small learning community and i'm one of my students is just acting like acting like a student right so i walk out of my room and i walk up to this kid and i just start Screaming at him, like just yelling, like, what's wrong with you? You lucky to be alive. You don't know what people like sacrifice, like you just taking everything for granted. I'm just like yelling at this kid. And if you know me, which most of you probably don't, I'm not a yeller. Like, I'm like real calm. I'm laid back. You know, I'm a drummer, so I'm just kind of in the pocket, just laid back, you know, just chilling, right? Um, so when when a couple of the people on my staff, they're like, like come out of their room, like, is that is that Mr. Smith like yelling at a kid? So yeah. the dean, he, the dean of students for this program, he like, he like literally just puts his arms around me and just like pulls me away. He's like, "This man, what's going on?" I mean, everybody knew that what what I had gone through. You know, when I returned back to work, they knew we lost the baby. They knew that I was, you know, going through some things, but this was not who I was. And one thing that um, that I knew like. I knew personally, like, like, this is not me. I don't yell at students. I love students because like students, (laughs) like there's so many experiences that our students, my students went through that I was so familiar with, you know, and I could talk about it. I can speak about it. I can love on them about it and I can share my experiences with them and they can understand me and they can understand that I really do understand what they're going through. I love them and I want what's best for them. And that was how I was able to connect to literally every student that I had was by shared experiences or or understandings Um, because we didn't grow up together. Right. These kids are 20 years younger than me. But a lot of our experiences are similar. Um, Just being an African-American male and all of all of those students, except like two of them uh, Mm -hmm. were, were african American, So we shared a lot of those experiences. But what what came to be was the weeks after. Um, us losing this child is that we were like struggling emotionally. The both of us, my wife and I, were just struggling. Um, we're doing our best to hide our feelings and hide our emotions. But my wife is crying all the time. I'm crying. I'm angry, like angry, like to the point of like just straight up anger. Like I can't, I can't describe it. It's just way too much anger and way too many raw emotions that were just like right here, just ready to come out. So eventually, um, I don't know who talked to us about this, but someone talked to my wife and was like, you guys should just go to counseling. We're like, for what, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, okay, we'll go to counseling. So we, we you know, we talked about it together and um, eventually we, uh, you know, got a list of names because, you know, you can't get referrals, but we didn't know anybody <laughs> that had gone to counseling other than, you know, one person. So we got a few names of Christian Christian counselors, right? And, um, you know, so we go to this this guy um, not too far from us. Uh, not sure why we selected him at all, but we selected him. He might have been just like first on the list. I don't know. So uh, we go to this guy and we sit there and we talk with him and share our first experience of trauma. Well, our, most recent experience with mm-hmm. trauma it wasn't our first experience because our most recent experience with trauma and um with you know the birth the birth of our stillborn and he's like real like nonchalant about everything that we were sharing with him and you know as we were going through the session we're like this dude don't care about us is it just that he just wants our money is he about to retire and he's just trying to fatten the pockets before like he's done like wh- what what is he And why does he not empathize or at least sympathize with us? Because we know that he's seen and heard some things. So, you know, we finished with that session and my wife and I, we're literally walking out of the door, not even to the car yet. And we're like, yeah, we ain't going back to that dude. Like we got nothing from that other than uh, a little less money in our pockets. Like that's all we got out of that was paying him for an hour of our lives that we could have, we could have just sat and cried for another hour. Mm So." So, you know, a couple of weeks go by, we get the name of another uh, psychotherapist um, and she was uh, Christian based and uh, she, you know, it was a little drive away. So we had to like plan this one, you know, it's not just down the street. So we had to plan the, the drive. We had to plan like lunch, like, you know, we, we had to figure out what we we're going to do with our lives. Uh, you know, we had to get babysitters because, you know, as, as parents, you can't just walk out the door. You got to plan everything. Mm-hmm. So. So we planned this uh, time to go visit uh, this next psychotherapist and, uh, you know, we walk into the office and we're like, okay, this is already like, as soon as you walked in, you already started feeling like, okay, this person might be a little bit better. So, um, so you know, we sit and we talk to her and, uh, you know, we share this initial uh, experience with her and she starts digging into things, you know, she she's digging into the pain that we are feeling and why we we're feeling it. And is it because of the baby, you know? Um, and then, you know, we went, you know, we went back a few times, and uh, then she started digging into some other things, like uh, other things in our past. Um, you know, I, I'll talk about myself, but there's many other things in my past that have caused trauma that I probably should have gone to therapy for decades ago, like my own upbringing. Right. (laughs) Um, Things that, you know, things that you don't think about that cause trauma and pain and emotional uh, releases um, that you really can't control. So, you know, things in my own past, things about how I was raised, things about, uh, you know, college experiences, things about, um, you know, our first years of marriage, things about, um, you know, how I treat uh, people, how I treat my wife and how I feel. And how I feel about things that have happened to me that I've never had to deal with in life ever before. So she's sitting here asking me these questions and she's like, do you think it's because of this experience? And I'm sitting there like, why are you in my business like that? Like I didn't ask, like, I just wanted to, you know, feel better because of losing the baby, but she's making me think back and recall and reflect on, Many other things that have happened in my life, and I wasn't really happy about that, to be honest. But, um, but I went ahead and continued having these conversations. Um, sometimes it would be with my wife, and sometimes uh, I would go by myself, and we would call it an ussy. Like my wife and I, we called it an ussy, where I would go by myself, and there would just be the psychotherapist, or she would go by herself, and she would see the psychotherapist. And, um, you know, that's this started back in 2014. And we've continued on, um, seeing this, uh, this lady since, you know, um, sometimes it would be more regular depending on what's going on in our lives. And then sometimes, you know, we can kind of fade back and, you know, visit quarterly or, you know, when, when we needed a tune-up, you know, so, um, I'll stop with that. I think I shared a lot already. So, um, go ahead.
0: So, oh, thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) thank you no desmond um you know thank you for sharing that that that's something that's just it is so heavy and it's it's so deep um i really applaud you for being able to share that with this audience um and also just you know not being afraid to to put those things out there as a black man because i know masculinity is a thing right and so You know, that's a whole other layer that we'll hit another time. But um, you know, I, I just really appreciate you for, you know, sharing that um to open up this dialogue a bit more. Um, you know, I was listening and jotting down, so I'm the queen of jot <laughs> <laughs> things down over here. Um, and I heard anger come up a couple of times and I heard um numb, numbness, right? Mm-hmm. I think a couple of times. And I want to kind of talk about that a little bit more I want to dig deeper and I want to hit Shanta I want to invite you in on this part of the conversation um this anger this numbness Shanta like and I think you're muted right now so I'm going to make sure you come off your mute but um uh talk to us about what what that is you know like I think you know we all experience you know anger we all experience some level of being numb but we don't Mm -hmm. always know why or what is actually causing that or it might just be like why am I feeling like this you know when I heard you know, such a visceral reaction or story, you know, regarding Desmond in the the hallway and, and, you know, him being embraced in that moment, you know, that had to be quite confusing in that moment, right? And so we tend to show symptoms of or display that which is sometimes confusing internally, right? And so I'm curious to know, um, Shanta, like, you know, talk to us a little bit about that anger, that numbness, and some of these expressions that that we might not know how to really, um, I guess, speak about much. Go ahead. Well, so when I heard anger so
2: many times, I was like, that is his grief crying out to him and he's not knowing how to express it. And a lot of times we don't consider the fact that the very second stage of grief is anger. So, I like to go to the end and work backwards, but we're gonna, the end is their beginning. The end is the acceptance of this child. They had finally accepted, okay, we're ready, we're doing this, we're having this baby. Then to get to acceptance and to have to radically change because this is not what we anticipated. This is not what we planned for, this loss. That was their grief. The denial, right? The denial is the first stage. We were ready. We had picked out paint. We had picked out furniture. We got clothes. This baby was supposed to come home. This whole holding the baby, holding the baby for hours in the silence. That's the denial, the bargaining, right? We're talking to God, like, give us back this child. We we ready. The anger is the thing, it's the seed that's buried deep down, right? Because you're still covered in this, this denial and this, this love and this, this hope, right? But seeds when watered, like in this, this loss is the watering of this seed. That grew into something that had not manifested before. He had not seen that expression of you know frustration with a a youth before that was not him that's not me I'm laid back I'm in the cut I'm a drummer that's not what I do but you just watered something that was connected because she took you back and rightfully so because in a lot of clients when they experience miscarriages I just got to get through this Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just this child. Mm-hmm. It felt like it was this child because it was in the moment. They were present. They were there. Right. But this wasn't the first child they had lost. So it had been watering for a long time because they never gave it the proper attention. And attention, good or bad, things will still grow Yeah. depending on the attention. They just might grow the way you want them to. So that anger was that grief manifested in that moment over the loss of not one child, but two, and then not having repaired those fissures in the relationship that he and his wife had. So, you know, we got into acceptance, which is the last stage of grief, right? Just to get back to the denial, the anger, the bargaining, and the depression all over again. So it's this upheaval of all right. this stuff that you hadn't addressed mm-hmm. before. And um, I wanted to speak to what you said about, you know, you didn't know how you selected that first therapist. And, you know, yeah. I tell people all the time, fit is very important. When finding a therapist, it's like a pair of jeans, okay? Right. You don't want to be trying to jump to get in them. No offense. But... It should be like a, you know, pull them up, buttons, zip them. Good. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be some challenges sometimes, especially, you know, if they're a nice fitting pair. You know, every once in a while, you might have to take a breath.
0: Right, right. Everything
2: is good. (laughs) (laughs) But the second therapist, when you said it looked like she put a little effort into it, right? That is important because we are sitting with people's lives, their feelings. That is something to be very careful with. That's a China shop, yo. Right. Right. You, you walk around like, Oop. but we not just knock yourself over. We're gonna approach it carefully. We're gonna pick it up. We're gonna say, how do you like this? Does this look good to you? How do you feel about it? What do you see when you look at this? Right. You know what I'm saying? Do you envision this in? You can't just be knocking stuff over. So fit is very important. And when you talked about the time, the finding the babysitters and the drive and packing the lunch, this is an investment in you and your family. And investments require time and effort. Your marriage requires time and effort. Your personal self-care requires time and effort. So make sure you are putting those things in put yourself on the calendar. Don't cancel on you. You need this, Mm -hmm. that reflection. And I read, you know, your post does, and you inspired me a couple of days ago talking about, you know, your reflections. And I was like, you know what, let me do that. (laughs) 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 But we have to make sure that, you know, we do acknowledge where those feelings are coming from. So her helping you to unpack those feelings, that was a good thing. Yeah. But that was the fit that you needed. You didn't need somebody to just sit back and listen. Right. You need somebody to question, mm-hmm. to guide that introspection, to guide that reflection. Because if she had not guided that reflection, you would not have put this loss and this lost together because there was that gap in between. It was like, right. I got over it, Right. It's
0: mm. like, but well, did you really? Mm.
1: Hmm. No, I didn't.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Wow, thank you for that. Um, I want to explore, I want to talk a little bit more about that fit. And I like that because you said fit matters. Um, that was really good for me to hear. Um, so Des, I mean, I, I look, you went to the first therapist. Mm-hmm you were reluctant to do that anyway. Right. Right. And so then you get to this therapist who you're just like this dude, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's this joke about?" And no, you know, no slam on, 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 you know, the field obviously, mm-hmm. but I want to know if, if when you guys left that session where you met with, I don't want to do this. I want to do this. Like, did you have a moment where you pause and was like, we're not doing this because you had a bad experience. Sometimes what I hear um, in my conversations with folk is that, oh yeah, they had a therapist, they tried it. And then it's just like, you know, I, I tried it. I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to try this again. And so I'm curious to know, did you guys have a pause um, before you reached out to the next therapist? And then, well, go ahead and answer that. And then I have to follow up. Yeah.
1: We, um, thinking back, like it, it, it was a pause before we started going to therapy. Like, we had to accept the fact that we were like, okay, we we don't want... Because we've seen people that have gone through trauma or lost, major trauma or loss, like, struggle in their marriage. So, initially, it was, we don't want our marriage to fall apart because of this experience that we've gone through. So, we need to go to counseling. Okay. So, we saw him, and we were like, that dude was jacked up. So, we were... It was intentional and we were deliberate on the fit. <laughs> like Shanta said, like uh, you know, we got some recommendations, my wife talked to her and then we were like, she might be the one. So we then we hiked out to where she was okay. and um and 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 it was it was immediately it was like, yeah, this is this is much better. These jeans fit nice and snug versus me having
0: to <laughs>
1: <laughs> get the boys on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's very, it is It mm-hmm. uh, is, and I'm glad that you shared that. Um, yeah. you know, even and I'll share briefly here, this is not my segment, but just, you know, like i was, it's not a secret that I've, you know, gone through therapy and that I'm a huge advocate of um therapy. I believe people should have therapists like people have dentists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have a mm-hmm. That's that's the way mm-hmm. I think about it. And I believe that. Um but I know that my first experience with therapy, um nice, nice enough guy, but I felt like it it was just kind of like, eh, just not, you know, not really effective. Right. Um, then took a huge period of time and then was put in a situation where I needed a therapist again. Um, and that particular therapist was fantastic. Um, maybe had her for about 11 or 12 sessions, doing some PTSD type stuff, you know, and so there was specific training for that. Um, and then, you know, took some, took a break and then, now, you know, I've been in therapy for some time, for almost a year, I think, uh, not off and on, but consistently for like a year, almost. Um, and for me, you know, I'm not someone who wants to bounce around, just like you wouldn't bounce mm-hmm. around with your hairstylist or your bachelor, right? Like you're not going to bounce mm-hmm. around with these folks. Um, I think it's important that we do get a good fit, mm-hmm. right? And then you stick with that. Um, so let's talk about some of the challenging moments and you, and you can disclose whatever you so choose, but I know obviously the, there's work in therapy and I think some people don't realize that part. So let's, talk, I want, I want us to talk about the, the honesty aspect mm. um, and the work that's put in, put uh, that, that needs to be put in. Um, Shanta, I'm going to throw that to you first and then Desmond. So Shanta, from the clinician side, let's talk about honesty. You get it, you get, you know, a patient that comes in, a client that comes in, they need some help. They say they need some help, they're sharing some things, but you're realizing some things about them in terms of um, them being closed off or not being truthful about some things. You know, talk to us a little bit about that experience when you're practicing. Well, okay. So my audience is primarily children
2: and families. Okay. And I speak to children, like they have brains that are growing (laughs) and I want them to understand the impact of the actions that they have now in the future. So I tell them, you know, I give my clients a sense of agency and I let them know that what they say is protected with me unless they have a plan to harm themselves or others. Right. But I also encourage them by telling them, you know, I prefer a hard truth over a soft lie any day. Right. Because the consequences of a hard truth are going to be much lighter than Mm -hmm. if we find out it's a lie because we can't fix immediately the the lie because we we don't find out about that till later, Mm -hmm. right? But let's talk through this, right? The truth can be hard, Mm -hmm. but let's talk through it, Mm -hmm. right? Let's not be afraid of those feelings. Let's figure out where that's coming from. But I also tell them the worst lies you tell are the ones you tell yourself Mm -hmm. because you start to believe them so we do a lot of um discussion on self talk you know and that that narrative shift right because we want to shift from you know telling yourself these negative untruths mm. we want to speak positively we want to speak truthfully to ourselves mm. so i always approach them in that regard let's always stay on the truth okay Absolutely. it's hard sometimes but we can talk it out Says, typically if you tell somebody the truth up front, we can calm ourselves down in right. my space. Mm-hmm. We we can work through this calmly. You know, we can breathe, we can meditate, we can do whatever it takes. But the truth, you're
0: going to be safe here.
1: Yeah.
0: That's good. Thank you. Um, Des, so you know, from someone in in, in the other seat, right?
1: Uh, yeah.
0: And having to communicate um, information with a perceived and honest stranger, <laughs> you know, let's right. talk about what that looks like. Um, you know, did you find in that first session, I mean, you said it was comfortable, so that was good, but she was digging. And so there's, you know, you have these defenses that fly up in mm-hmm. so much <laughs> in a first session and subsequent sessions, you know, for some of folks, right. And so, um, because of the gravity of what you guys had been exposed to and experienced, um, I, yeah, I definitely want to know, you know, how how open you were that first session or those first few sessions and in terms of the truth aspect, how important that is.
1: Uh, that's wow. So the first few sessions were mostly about our feelings with the tragedy of losing our child. Right. So we were just focusing on how that was impacting our lives. Mm-hmm. Um and I was good with that. I could be open and honest about that stuff, right? because that was fresh it was um it was clear, everybody knew i did there was nothing hidden about that. like I cried, i'm angry, I was cussing at folks like you know that, that was what it was. I could be clear and very open about that. but then when she starts peeling that onion back <laughs> on on other hurts and other pains <clears throat> and other experiences that I had then I was like, mm, hold on. Like, I don't know if I want to talk about me, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, we could talk about how I feel about about the loss of my child, but I don't know if I want to be open and honest about um, how I feel based on other things that I've experienced. Because then I got to talk about the rest of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: got to talk about um, how I was raised. I got to talk about, um, how I, how I treated girls or women when I was younger. Like, I got to talk about all these other things mm-hmm. that I don't want to, I don't want to open up about. Um, but as we went through these sessions, some with my wife sitting there and some by myself as an Ussie, um, I felt more, um, transparent because I could trust her. Um, and I knew I could trust my wife. Um, so there was just a level, of, there had to be, uh, you know more trust of uh, me trusting my therapist before I would open up about my feelings and thoughts about my own personal journey um because i i can sit back at, at, as just being a black man we're we're taught to just kind of you know hold it in and just keep on going because you know the next thing is going to happen and you'll forget about that experience or you'll forget about her or you'll forget about that beating or whatever you know you're like suck it up like that we're just taught to like suck it up like all right I'll just and be cool and move on but she did not allow me to just be cool and move on like she was digging and at first I wasn't feeling it um like some sessions I would leave and I'm like why I signed up for this like I went to, <laughs> I went to I went to go get talked to and or listened to and she dug and dug and dug and I, I left like feeling better, but angry at the same time. Like, how does this, how do you walk out of therapy, like feeling better and angry at the same time? Like that shouldn't happen. Like I I paid you for this. Like,
0: <laughs> um,
1: look, look, can I jump in real quick? Jen? Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: so it's kind of like going to the gym with a trainer, Right. Okay. Right. Like, <laughs> you, you, I, I want to feel different. Mm-hmm. It's that work. So I re- referred earlier to the work that we have to put in when we go to therapy. And a lot of people don't think of it that way. But it is work. There's some heavy lifting. That's some weight. Yeah. Right? And you don't get the heavy weights until you've shown, until that rapport has been built, until that trust has been established that you can handle that, right? You got to peel back a couple layers first. Right, Right. And that can take time. But let me tell you, that that feeling, you know what that feeling is like when you run in 12 degree weather, Mm -hmm. but I did it. Right. Like I'm cold, but I did it. I feel so good. And that is the reward you get from doing the deep work, Mm -hmm. from connecting point A to point C. W right? Right, right, right. I think of the therapy is like a you know one of those very intricate dot to dots.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You have all these connections in order to make a picture. Mm. Can you make the connections? And it's okay if you pause because there can be gaps in services sometimes.
1: Right. right.
2: But the the hope is that you take the time to continue to connect the dots so you have a clearer picture of what's going on and how all this stuff fits together. Mm -hmm. Fit is very important throughout the whole process. So, So, it's not immediate, not going from, you know, walking in the door to lifting 50 pounds. (laughs) When you walk out, Mm -hmm. that discomfort, that soreness in your muscles, But that
0: definition
1: that you built, well, now it's work. Right, right, right. right. That's it's, it's great that you, you. I love that you connected it to working out because I, I, I used to work out, then I stopped working out, then I started working out, then I stopped working out. And then when COVID happened, of course, nobody worked out, right? right? And then we started doing this walking challenge, this 50 mile challenge. And at the beginning of the 50 mile challenge, my wife and I started walking like a few weeks prior. And my knee, was like in so much pain. I don't know if it was extra 30 pounds that I gained <laughs> over, you know, the last couple of years or what. But at one one day I was sitting at my desk cuz my desk was in the front of my house and I was I just stood up and my knee was just like in so much pain. Mm-hmm. So I f- first started walking my wife. We walked like a mile and I was like limping the whole time. I'm like, man, this ain't this ain't going to work. Like what am I going to do? But it, it was painful, but I did it like you said, and then, you know, weeks go by and then the 50 mile challenges come up and I'm like, all right, Sid, what, what is this? All right, I'll 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 check it out. So I checked it out and I found myself walking, you know, at first, you know, two, three miles, five, six miles. Next thing you know, I'm walking like eight to 10 miles, like at one time, just for no reason, just out there, yep. listen to music. and And I get home, I'd be a little sore, but not nearly as sore as I was when I first started walking, when I can barely walk. Right. So it's very, it's, it's, it's so akin to the therapy sessions. Like at first you're like, man, this junk hurts.
0: Mm.
1: Like, do I really need to go back next week? Like, do I, just to feel this again? Right. Um, and yes you do, because that's the only way those muscles are going to start developing and growing and toning. And then, you know, as time goes by, you start learning the strategies, learning coping skills, learning some things and you're able to do some of that stuff on your own. But then you still need to go see your trainer. Yes. Periodically, right? And and that's that's what we still do. Like, we'll still go see uh, our therapist, you know, every once in a while. Like, we even had um, our our daughters go. They experienced trauma too. They saw their mother with child and mom and dad came home without a child, right? So these are things that like as as you know my our oldest daughter who's now 13 like she still remembers like the the youngest one she was just about to turn two she doesn't quite remember it as much but my my 13 year old now she still like talks about him she you know she'll mention him she'll like let's let's go see him at the cathedral because he's you know he's laid to rest there like there there's she went through trauma too and we can't neglect her um experiences and, and deny her experiences because she had an experience with this as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. I hadn't even considered, um, just in our conversation, even when we were touching on some of this the other day, um, just the impact, you know, of your daughter having experienced mm-hmm. that. So that's, yeah. that's a whole that's a whole other piece because a you're a, yeah. a parent dynamic, yeah. trying to deal with your own trauma, mm-hmm. trying to deal with your own grieving process, and then trying to model something that is mm-hmm. you know healthy right mm-hmm. for your daughter um while she's going through that like I, that's again yeah. just whew, this yeah. stuff is, is heavy and it, and it it does require work you know i feel like um i don't know that just like hit me kind of emotionally kind of got me deep yeah. feels yeah. just now just thinking about it because i feel and you guys can speak to this growing up you know how many times Maybe you saw something challenging that your parents were having to go through, right? Mm-hmm. And you knew they were going through something difficult. Um, you were being impacted by it, but no one checked in on your feelings at all, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah.
0: we learn how to cope by whatever means we need to. You know, for me, it was throwing myself into artistic everything or always busying myself with school stuff or whatever. Right? Just so that I could not have to process or feel, and so I know some of my issues are: I don't like to feel things. I don't like to feel hurt and pain. Like that's what I struggle with, right? Um, and that you know stems from childhood stuff, right? It's like I just didn't want to feel it. I don't want to feel it, right? Um, but yeah, I feel like you know, for so many of us, there weren't those check-ins, you know, at least in our generation. Like we didn't have a lot of check-ins. Like, hey, you okay? Like we know we just went through this thing. Are you okay? That wasn't a conversation I had. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kind of laughing. I mean, maybe it is now, and maybe other people that you know we grew up with, maybe they did have those check-ins. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to jump there, but I think the majority of those in our you know age range, mm-hmm. right, with black parents, right. like, look, folks got to keep it pushing, and that's yeah. that's the, that's culturally, that's the cultural backdrop, almost a mantra for our community. I think yeah. is like it happened. We have to move forward. We've got to keep it pushing. Deal with it however you need. So, can I
2: push back just a little bit? <clears throat> because I will not say that it is a cultural thing. I think that it is a human thing. Mm-hmm. That the way we deal with our challenges are the way that we saw modeled for us. You talked about modeling, and I talk a lot about modeling. And thank you, Des, for modeling healthy behavior. For the girls by getting them into therapy because a lot of times people feel as if I read somewhere someone said um children can't be broken. I was like, yes, they can.
1: Wow. I'll seen many. <laughs> like, uh
2: yes, they can,
1: yeah.
2: but they can be fixed,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, with the proper tools and the proper coping skills, but they have to see that modeled by someone. Right. Right. And it is important to check in with your kids and see how they're feeling because they did experience that as well. Right. We have to recognize that their pain and our pain will not be the same, Mm -hmm. but they still need somewhere to process that somewhere safe to lay that. And, you know, I'm very transparent. Um, My children have been in therapy before. Um, Divorce is labeled as a traumatic experience. And the first, when I first heard that, I was highly upset.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: But it was because what they had known was no longer. That baby was no longer. Mm-hmm. That was what they had known. They still needed a place to to process that and, and, you know, figure out how to put their feelings back in place. But it's just, it's not just a divorce or the loss of a sibling. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, um just poor sibling relationships. Mm-hmm. Like I don't understand, you know, <laughs> this birth order thing is real. Like, right. why are we fighting like this? <laughs> 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 uh, or it could be, you know, what if your family is transient? Mm-hmm. You know, it may seem that this is, you know, common. We move all the time, mm-hmm. but what does that type of transience do to a child, especially when they see their peers? Or when they're seeing different peers, because right. you're transient, mm-hmm. um, having different experiences. Mm-hmm. Or what does that do to a parent-child relationship right. if you're not communicating with that child? Mm-hmm. I believe communication is the foundation of any good relationship, right. including parent-child, mm-hmm. because you still have to talk. If you want them to know something, you have to give them the knowledge. You have to give them the information. You have to give them vocabulary mm-hmm. to express themselves. So making sure that they have the tools that they need, so they can be resilient, is very important. So thank you
0: for addressing that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for um, contributing in that way. So, so yeah, not just a cultural issue. Um, I do appreciate you, you know, sharing that. Um, we're going to wrap up pretty soon here, but I did want to uh, touch on a couple of things. Um, and I, and let me just say this now: I would love for us to have another one of these conversations. <laughs> Right. um because you know I do want to hit I want to dig a little bit deeper even you know and then um Desmond, you know t- tell people what you do for a living they heard you say educator but what
1: yeah i'm a um I'm a middle school principal in uh, South Redford school district so I I principal all day <laughs>
0: <laughs> so obviously you know in middle school I mean I teach middle school so so they're you know middle school. Is a whole nother level in terms of just um, the life stage stages that they're in. Mm-hmm. And what they do. So I would, you know, at some point would love to, you know, invite you again. So we can kind of hit that. Oh, yeah. Given COVID-19 and just kind of, the mental health aspect of our children and the parents and staff. <laughs> like I would love sure. to have that conversation if you're yes. that. And Johnson definitely would love for you to be um, engaged in that as well. Um, so, I mean, this can be something we do, you know, over and over. Um, but I do want to um, mention one thing. So, you know, what I heard you say, Desmond, is that, you know, you had a, you had a male therapist first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had a female therapist and that's the one that you guys, um, have pretty much, you know, aligned with and and it's been great for you. Um, you know, when I, when I was thinking about all of this in the summertime, you know, and and I think both of you know, this summer, I kind of made this Facebook post and it was just kind of throwing it out there. Like, Hey guys, you know, I want to know what you're thinking about in terms of mental health um, in the black community and, and men in particular. Um, I would love to know your thoughts on and I, I guess I'll throw this to Shanta first, actually. So, so I personally believe. Let me. I'm talking all over the place. <laughs> I personally <laughs> believe that for me, for me, mm-hmm. I need a black woman therapist. That is something that I intentionally sought out, um, especially in the climate and the dynamic that we live in uh, socially. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this time around, I was like, I need a black woman therapist. Period. Um, my therapist before her was a white woman in California and she was amazing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, be clear, you know, I believe that people are gifted and called, you know, into, into this role. And if you have a good therapist who is focused on the person, focused on their craft, constantly um, keeping people, you know, what they need to do and how they need to serve, you know, at the forefront, um, you can have amazing experiences with your therapist. Right. I, um, for me, I needed a black woman. Because I need there to be some relational aspect there, um, some relatability, I guess is a better word. Um, so, when I think of Black men and mental health, mm-hmm. I did and I dug and did some research. <laughs> I was like, there's not a lot of Black men therapists, first of all. I'm sure, right? Certainly none that might be at a um, like a PsyD level or a PhD level, right Doctorate level. Um, There are some MSWs. There are uh, more that, you know, do not have that designation or credential yet. Um, But, you know, I'm I'm curious, Shanta, so you have some mentors and some people that you know who are Black men, right, in in the field. And so I want you to speak about that and then what your thoughts are. You know about about that. Like, do you feel like you can open up about certain things and it be relatable, given the therapist that you have now versus the therapist that you had before? Um, you know, and, and in another episode, we'll talk about those gender uh, mm-hmm. situations as well and masculinity and these kinds of things. So, Shanta, if you could go ahead and speak to that.
2: Well, thank you. I'd love to.
0: Yeah. So there, the numbers are
2: low for men of color that are clinicians, mental health clinicians, but they are out there. I'm very happy to say they are out there. Sometimes I refer to them as uniform, unicorns, not going to lie. <laughs> yes. It's a kind of hard to find one. But preference and fit are also important. Mm-hmm. So while I do take the name, number, email, and website of every Black male therapist that I run across, yeah. because I'm building you know, my super team, mm. right, there are other things to consider like what is the client's preference? Do they want a male? Do they want a female? Do they want someone they can ethnically identify with? And most people do. And most parents, especially when working with children, they, they do, especially in communities of color, because there are a lot of cultural um, ideals to be taken into account during therapy. A lot of people don't think about that, but that's an actuality. But when I meet black male therapists, I am definitely sure to engage with them, build relationships with them so that I can refer out other men that are seeking that type of counsel. So first, I'm going to listen to them, see what they're trying to do. And it's like, oh, yes, I've got someone for you. (laughs) Pull it out. like Here you go. Mm -hmm. But. We have to build and maintain those relationships, just like we've done here. But in the professional community, we have to build and maintain those relationships so we can know where to point people, what direction to point people when they're looking for someone. But we also have to bear in mind that all the time they're not looking for someone that looks like them. Sure. You know, I do know um, another uh, male of African descent. He was like, I don't want a man. (laughs) Because he felt that would be um, too much pushback for him. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, what do you want? (laughs) It's like, okay. Mm -hmm. So we ask about their, you know, their snaps, you know, their strengths, their needs, their abilities, their preferences, Mm -hmm. and their supports. So what do you need to help round out that picture? What's your preference for a therapist? Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So making sure that we're taking into account what people want and not just what we think they need.
0: Mm -hmm. That's good. That's really good. Um, Desmond. Yeah. Speak, speak to me initially. Yeah. What were your thoughts about the therapist that you had um, and then the therapist that, that you have now in terms of um, culture, race, gender?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be hundred percent honest because that's the only way to go. Right. Okay. Um, when we decided to go to therapy, my wife found this list. I don't even know where the list came from. And, you know, she got the first guy who was a white male He was on this Christian counseling list. I, I have no idea. I may have to ask her, like, where would you get this list? So, um, you know, I, I think he was, you know, referred and he was on this list. So we went um, at that point in our lives, um, race and gender, that wasn't that wasn't the priority uh, at the time. We needed help. So it's like pulling into the emergency room. You get who you get. Right. Yeah. Um, because we were going through, uh, we were bleeding out, literally bleeding out. So, um, it, so when we saw him, we were like, nah, this isn't going to fit. Um, you know, we, we were a little more careful with how we selected the second, um, person, the person that we're still with. Um, we didn't know her ethnic background. Um, all we knew was that she was a Christian woman and, um, we were like, sure, let's, let's try this out uh, because it couldn't be worse than the first guy. Right. So, um, you know, we went to her and, um, I, I didn't have a preference, honestly. Um, I, I didn't care who we saw. I just know we needed help. Um, so whoever was at the door was, was getting these dollars, so to say. Um, but if, if I had the, uh, opportunity and time to investigate. I I don't know. Um, the thing is with, with her, let me go back to her. With her, she does a great job of pushing back on my thoughts and my beliefs and, mm-hmm. and the things that um, no one other than my wife has ever pushed on me about. Mm-hmm. Like when my wife and I started dating, she would push on me on some things. And I'm like, no woman has ever talked to me like this. I, I kind of like you, right? So, <laughs> yeah. so you know, and that just continued. You know, we got married and we right. still have these mm-hmm. difficult conversations, mm-hmm. you know, we'll sit and she'll be like, "Let's talk about such and such." And I'm like, "Oh, Jesus." <laughs> <laughs> um, but as a black man, we don't want to talk about that stuff. Right. Some black men do. Most black men don't. So, if I had the choice, back to that, if I had the choice, um I don't know if if i would seek out anyone i mean i guess it would be kind of i don't want to sound kind of kind of s- silly but kind of cool to see what it'd be like to have a black male therapist like mm-hmm. he's had to have gone through some experiences that i've gone through right mm-hmm. we can speak on that just like when i see my students you know i taught high school for 8 years and i went to high school right so so i could talk about my own personal experiences The experiences that I've gone through in college, because when you're in high school, you're thinking about college and you Mm -hmm. think about, you know, things later on. So I can talk about some of those things and those students connected to me um, in a way that most other students didn't connect with their teachers because they just weren't real. Like I went through an experience with teach. I'm teaching about it. I'm gonna talk about my experience, too. That relates to that. And they're like, oh, wait, that really can happen. Yes, this can happen. And I'm going to walk you through how to not go through that right so um so uh, having a black man man i mean i think like pie in the sky i think it would be phenomenal like i think it'd be awesome but the indian american woman that i have is pretty dope too right Mm -hmm. um so i I don't i don't really know i think it would be cool to have a black male i'd be interested uh, you know black woman Uh, my mom's a social worker Mm -hmm. um like she literally would sit and talk to me for hours and i'd be like like this is like in high school i'd be like oh, i just like <laughs> can i just get a whooping and you like <laughs> leave my room, <to> <laughs> right like i don't want to but i feel like martin never beaten up by tommy earns. like i will not fight no more Gina. like i didn't i didn't want to talk anymore but that's what my mom did my dad was different my dad he would work he would beat and uh <laughs> I was sitting and we would talk and I'm like, just wait, just can, can daddy just beat me or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, I'm open to say the least. I'm open.
0: That's good. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was great. <laughs> so we are going to finally wrap up here. Um, I want to thank you guys for being a part of this show. And I'm thanking you in advance for being a part of subsequent shows. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, Ashanta, I want to give you a plug. You know, I believe this space is to be able to highlight um, people and what they're doing <laughs> as well. And so um, you have obviously your own practice, and there's some things that you've been working on. I want you to go ahead and talk to the people about what that is. Um, go ahead, this is your time to shine. Ooh, thank you. Shine bright like a diamond. Um, <laughs> my name is Shanta
2: Hayes. I'm in LMSW in the state of Georgia, and I have a practice slhayes.com. It's SL Hayes Group. You can find me on social media at speaks. And my platform, while I work primarily with families and children, is self-care but I also do educational consulting. So Des talked about how he had an episode, but my job is to go in and train educators on how to recognize what trauma looks like and then what resources they might be able to give their students. Mm -hmm. Um, On my self-care platform though, I'm very much about taking care of yourself, which is what my most recent book, Mindful Beginning Self-Care Journal is about. It is a very interactive and engaging, reflective journal filled with coloring pages that guides you in an exploration of self. So it's asking you the questions, you know, who are you? Why are you here? What do you like? Do you even consider those things? You know, do you put yourself on the calendar? Because I believe in prioritizing self. Because if you cannot take care of yourself, can you really take care of the others that you claim that you want to take care of so badly? Because typically when you're in a hospital, you're not taking care of nobody. Mm-hmm. When your body has broken down due to neglect, mm-hmm. due to a poor diet, due to poor sleeping habits, due to uh, dehydration, because most of us don't drink enough water, right. you know what I'm saying? When you let yourself run down, you're no good to others. So self-care is a priority in order to be able to continue to give because you cannot pour from an empty cup. But the book is available on amazon.com. So please go support awesome. and check out slhaze.com to see if we may be able to fit any of your needs and check out Hayes underscore speaks for our weekly motivations.
0: Right. That sounds great. So, what I will do um, once we wrap up here, I'm going to actually um, put together sort of a sheet of resources um, for mental health awareness and Black men and mental health. Um, I found a sheet, and so I, I really just want to make it a little easier for everyone to click on and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. that squared away. Um, and then, additionally, I'll have links to um, your uh, practice as well. Okay. So, thank you. Yeah, of course. So thank you guys for, for being with me today. Um, working out some of the technology kinks right beforehand and having some fun. Guys, um we have a lot of fun. We're very silly. This was a, a deep kind of, you know, moment for us today. Um, but we're actually really, like, really silly. Desmond is probably one of the funniest people I know real life. I'm not Um, (laughs) funny. So the fact that he's like a principal, I remember being like, wait, what?
1: (laughs) They let him do that.
0: (laughs) Um, We had a lot of fun, and so um, we definitely have to do this again and we will. so.
1: I look forward to it.
0: Thank you. definitely. Have a wonderful day today, and uh, I'll see you again. All
1: right. Thank you. Thank you.
0: All right, you guys take care.